Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. We're sitting in for Tom Hannafin and Matt McGloin. I'm Zach Kaplan, and of course, joined by former Penn State Nittany Lion Ryan Shearer, former wide receiver with the team. And Ryan, uh, I know we, we both wish we could have been at Beaver Stadium tonight, uh, but that was yeah. a pretty cool game for sure. Before we get into it, I uh, want to give you a couple of uh, – want to shout out a couple of our partners, I should say, because the show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pay Dirt. We're big fans of Funk's Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. See if they can't ship it out to Montana and Colorado. <laughs> this month, uh, keep an eye out for the Raspberry Bikes Shandy and the – Project Haze 6 Imperial IPA, but don't forget our official beer, the Pager IPA, is still available right now in Funk's tap rooms. Funk has so many great beers to choose from. Other tap rooms in Amos, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit www.funk dashbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products must be 21 years or older to the purchase of course please drink responsibly and also bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season you can find the latest odds matchup info player news and game trends on there and as your continued source for all sports wagering info bet online features live betting free contests live scores and giveaways all season long bet online always the Fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like Major League Baseball, the UFC, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with our with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Pay Dirt, presented by BetOnline where the game starts. And we also invite you, last but not least, to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believav.com. Search pay dirt for our two T-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. That's where Penn State belongs in all of our hearts, right? I mean, it comes in white, navy blue, and black. The other is a navy blue T-shirt. Has the pay dirt wordmark over the heart. And on the back, circle the 2012 Penn State football season. It's got Matt McGloin's name and number. Very fitting as this season of Nindy Lion football, the 10-year anniversary of that famous team, shop.believe.com, shop.believe.com, and search pay dirt for the two T-shirts. Now that we got that going, let's get into it, Ryan. Penn State with a uh, big whiteout win, 45-17. to The Nindy Lions defeat the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Minnesota now 4-3 and and 1-3 and in Big Ten play on the season. Penn State 6-1 and overall and 3-1 and in conference play. A game that, Ryan, we were texting early on. Uh, I want to let you get in a word here because I've been talking for about three minutes straight. Just give me your initial thoughts, your initial impressions off a uh, pretty dominant whiteout win for Penn State. Yeah, and I think when you talk about, you know, that whiteout win, the first thing you do have to mention is the crowd. Um, as expected, they brought it like they do for all of these games and you know whether you're it's not the same not being there but even watching on tv um just brings back so many memories and it's such an electric atmosphere and i don't think people appreciate just how incredible it is and i love seeing them i think it was the very first play of the game minnesota had a false start and that was just kind of like throwing red meat uh to the <laughs> crowd and they kind of fed off of it and then you i i, I want to say like four or five times throughout the game where 
Minnesota just couldn't get a snap off. They had guys jumping. Uh, we're all out of sorts. So I think you know, first and foremost, great crowd show out there um, as always. But yeah, I mean, coming off of that, oh, <laughs> shaky, I think is a, a nice way to put it. Performance last week against Michigan. Yeah. Um, and even honestly get, got off to a bit of a slow start, but I think all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams, all responded well um, and, and really complimented each other. I know, you know, Minnesota did get 17 points. I think a couple of those, I don't want to say cheap because nothing really does come cheap. But overall, I mean, I th- thought the defense played incredibly well, all things considered. Offense took a little bit of time to get rolling. But um, I think, honestly, after that Clifford interception is when they really took off. And so big kudos to him for, you know, taking that in stride, um, not kind of letting it snowball and turn into more mistakes and, um, you know, st- all of a sudden start finding the tight ends on the second and third quarter, um, hitting 300 yards almost through the air, pretty efficient. So um, it's happy for him, happy to see him bounce back. I know he's been getting a lot of flack over the past couple of weeks. So um, you know, happy to see that, that he was able to take it in stride and, you know, get us back on track as we look ahead to Ohio State. Yeah, it's funny. Like I saw a tweet. Some some kid said like, "Oh, I'm predicting Clifford to go for like 300 plus yards and four TDs." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, no, it, it, it really is interesting how Penn State fans have kind of been divided into the Clifford and 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 Aller camps." Um, but you got to give a lot of credit um, and probably his final whiteout. I think it's his last year of college football, uh, Sean Clifford. But no, Never know. no way to no way to know <laughs> for sure. Uh, he does go 23 of 31. Uh, throws for 295 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, like we mentioned, the one interception. Drew Alar comes in, uh, two attempts. He completes one of them for nine yards. And then on the ground, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, generally 50-50 split in carries, uh, 13 for 79 yards for uh, Nick Singleton and two touchdowns. Katron Allen, or his fat man, as he likes to be called, 15 <laughs> carries, 77 yards on the ground uh, for Penn State there. And then they held uh, – Kalia Kamanis, I think we're going to call him, uh, from Minnesota. Uh, he goes yeah. 9 of 22, only a only a buck 75 through the air. One touchdown, one pit interception for the Golden Gophers. Wanted to just throw a couple stats out there. Biggest stat for Minnesota offensively, 30 carries for 102 yards for Muhammad Ibrahim, holding him to 3.4 yards per carry, which is yeah. uh, well below the average. Penn State does give up. 165 on the ground. That's kind of where I want to go next, Ryan, because when we talked on the phone this week, you and I, you know, we we're talking about just how Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum from Michigan, you know, they, they rack up to the tune of 400 plus yards. I mean, it was just so ugly on the, on the run game last week and to see a much better, cleaner performance, I think was a relief for any uh, Penn State fan tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I, I don't want to discount their performance either, but I think, you know, Tanner Morgan, going out and, and Minnesota having to bring in, you know, Calig Manis. So I think they said on, on the broadcast, it was the first game he started since his junior year of high junior school. Year. So yeah. the defense did have to have the ability to kind of focus on uh, Ibrahim, stack the box a bit, but all things considered, you know, that's a great running back. It's a great running attack. They have, um, I don't know if their offensive line is quite as dominant as Michigan, which I think may have played a part, but Regardless, I mean, looking at the stats, 46 carries for 160 yards. That's a lot of running at the, like the, the day to take on the chin, and I thought they held up really well. I think a lot of his carries came kind of later in the game when we might have, you know, kind of pulled off the gas a little bit. But Because early on, I mean, they could not get anything going on the ground, and I think that really set the tone um, for the game from the jump. Absolutely. And then on the other side uh, with Penn State, it was, it was nice to see – 
Oh, got to bring up with the offense. I mean, I texted you. I think I got to read the text yeah. to people here. Uh, mid-game, I think I texted you like mid-second quarter, and just all caps. I'm just like, <laughs> use the tight ends and good <laughs> things happen. So over and think, over. Oh, my God. They, I lo- So I looked it up mid-game, all right? Theo Johnson had two receptions for 19 yards on the season before this game. And then Brendan Strange, uh, he had he had a lot of – he obviously had uh, some nice numbers kind of leading up to that Central Michigan game. The last two weeks – with the last two games with Northwestern and Michigan, two receptions for 29 yards and one touchdown for Brendan Strange. And then Warren, Tyler Warren, four catches for 39 yards in the season. They all topped that tonight. Warren with just the one catch. So he doubles his season yardage total. And uh, – and it's touchdown total. Strange goes for uh, – he actually only had one catch for five yards. No, but I feel just like the fact- he had more. He was – he was. I could have – when I was looking at the box score, too, yeah. I was surprised. Oh, I yeah. thought he had a, a bigger impact, but that's how it shakes out sometimes. Yeah, sometimes just how it – exactly. <laughs> and just the fact – so I, I saw this. Uh, Audrey Snyder tweeted it out, covers Penn State for the Athletic. Five total targets the last two games for all of the tight ends. And tonight – uh, you know, five catches for Theo Johnson. I mean, they had seven catches, let alone targets, in yeah. just this one game tonight. Theo Johnson with the big game, with the you know leading the team in receiving yards and at the touchdown. It's so nice to see they have these talented tight ends. James Franklin goes out and recruits them. That's what he does best. And it just feels like sometimes they they kind of try to get too cute in these big games. Yeah, I'm just so thankful they didn't tonight. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me was just these three guys. It's it's a three headed monster. And coming into the year. I thought all three were kind of, you know, they had shown flashes before, um, but none of them had really kind of grabbed that lead role. Um, so expectations were, you know, this is going to be a, a group with a high floor, but may not, you know, pop. But I think what's what was shown tonight is that this can be a crucial part of this offense. I think the more that we can get these guys on the field, a lot of 12 personnel, I mean, even 13 personnel, you have the opportunity to get creative Do with it. Yeah. Because, yeah. Cause I mean, and I think what they, what they bring to the run game helps a lot too, especially with an offensive line. And this is something we can get into in a little bit that I think is still continuing to, to have issues, just getting movement up front um, in the run game. So, you know, having these tight ends attached to the line and helping out in the run game, you know, can help, get guys like Allen and Singleton the space that they need. And I think the big thing too is it's, you know, Clifford is clearly comfortable throwing to these guys, throwing over the middle to them, finding them. They, you know, for whatever reason, he just seems to have to click with them. And um, I think that's something as an offensive coordinator, you have to, you know, find what your quarterback likes, what he feels comfortable with and put him in those positions where he has access to that. Um, and so, so I'm really optimistic. I hope that they continue to explore, you know, creative ways to get these guys the ball. They're all big, strong, athletic. They can do stuff after the catch. Um, and so it's, you have a lot of options. I think a lot of coordinators would dream to have, you know, these oh, yeah. three types of weapons at their disposal. So it, it was a unexpected but a very welcome surprise. Um, that's for sure. Speaking of weapons at disposal, uh, I wrote it down. Got to talk about the – Mitch Tinsley, one-handed catch. Oh my He's, god! <laughs> incredible. How does these keep? How do these keep happening in whiteouts? We had Dotson a few years ago. Um, yep. I mean, I feel like oh KJ had a KJ Hamler had one against Michigan. Saquon kind of juggled a touchdown catch. I think also against Michigan. 
in the 2017 whiteout. KJS was in the 2019. I, I feel I, I swear we get one every year. How? Yep. What was your live reaction to that? The Tinsley one. Incredible. I mean, now I, I know it was a free play, but I mean Tinsley doesn't know that. He doesn't know that that Cliff's throwing it up to him, and he just you know he, I think that's one of the best things about him, and what I've loved seeing from him ever since, you know, he's come in from um, Western Kentucky is he just has a knack for making the tough catch, the big catch, the big play when you need it. Um, he's got great tracking ability, um, good body control. I mean, it was all on display there when you see it in slow motion. That's such a tough catch to make, especially with a guy draped all over you to locate the ball, to track it, um, you know, while you're kind of hand fighting a bit and then be able to secure and get your hand underneath it. It's so hard to do that. And he, he made it look easy. Like, I don't know if you could ever make a one-handed catch like that look easy, but you know he's able to do it. And you know, I think he's been an impact transfer for us, and we're going to need him to make those kinds of plays um, the rest of the way. I mean, obviously next week for sure, but then you know the rest of the way, like he's got to be kind of Clifford's big play. Uh, you know, we need a spark. We need something to happen. We might need a first down to hold a lead late in the game, and I think you know that's the type of guy Tinsley can be. You know, for this receiving core. And then the other catch that I had written down, uh, the Parker Washington touchdown, Incredible. felt like that kind of put the game on ice. I mean, yeah. like you're like you're a former wide receiver, so I mean, like what do we, like like what do we miss when 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 guys make catches like that? Like do we? I feel like we generally underrate just as like a casual fan, like how hard those are to make, especially in a game in a big setting like that. I mean, I was never, I was a undersized receiver, so I was never going up and making those types of catches, but it is, I think one of the things that people don't appreciate is how hard it is to time it. I mean, if you watch it in slow motion, he is catching that ball at the peak of his jump. Um, and to do that on a deep ball like that, to have that kind of wherewithal to know when you have to go high point, you don't want to jump too early or too late and let the DB make a play on it. And so to be able to, you know, read the, the path of the ball, be able to track it again. It was a little bit contested. The DB is right on him. He knows that he has to go up and high point it. Um, and it's not like Parker's like a big guy either. He's what, like 5'10 or so, but he played yeah. that like he was 6'2", 6'3", and went up and got it. And I think uh, that was like one of the, my favorite plays of the night. I actually like rewound it and like made, made my wife watch it. She was kind of paying attention. I was like, you got to see this, <laughs> this catch. And she's like just rolling her eyes at me. But uh, it, it was that kind of play. And I think he, between him and Tinsley, we have two guys – outside that we just have to continue to find ways to get the ball to because they can make those tough catches, whether it's down the field like they showed tonight or operating underneath, uh, you know, getting those timely kind of third and five, third and seven completions. Um, again, those are the types of plays we're, we're going to need our passing offense to make um, and Clifford to continue to, you know, build that rapport with those guys that he already has and, and, and rely on them and trust them and, you know, they can take us far between them and the tight ends. This passing game can be explosive. And I think we saw that tonight. Um, it's just got to be consistent. Yeah. And I think, and I think Aller hopefully can continue to build off that. I'm yeah. hopeful that they can get him some like meaningful reps here as we head to November. Uh, I don't think, I don't think they're coming next week, which we'll, yeah. obviously, <laughs> we'll get to that Ohio state game uh, coming up. Just want to continue talking about this game. I got to also, I didn't even notice this till now, but uh, going back and seeing the drive chart, Second half for Penn State. Well, well, Minnesota goes punt, interception, punt, touchdown, turnover on downs, end of game. And Penn State goes touchdown, 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 punt. I mean, I didn't even yeah. watching live. I don't even I didn't even feel like it was happening. Like I was 
I swear they had more punts in the yeah. second half. And like just the, fact that they, just the fact that they were getting booed in the first half. Yeah. And then in the second half, just literally touchdowns on four or five drives. It's unbelievable. Tale of two halves. Yeah, I think that they were able to start getting things going in the running game. Um, I, I don't know if Minnesota was getting a bit worn down or tired. Um, I mean, it, it helps a lot, you know, when you when you start to get a lead and you're at home and the crowd's going nuts, the defense is playing out of their minds. Um, it, it starts to feel like the field's tilting a little bit almost, um, and you're playing on the front foot. Defense is kind of on their heels, and I think that's where, you know, guys like, I love the combination of Allen and Singleton. I think they're going to be so fun to watch for this team, you know, for the next couple of years before I think they both go on to bigger and, and brighter things. But they just – I think they complement each other so well, two very different running styles. Uh, and I think we saw that on full display, to your point, in the second half when things just really started to to open up. They started to hit their creases, um, find holes, and, and yeah, I, I love watching those two run the ball. We just got to find a way to get them – easier easier yards especially early in the game early down I think that's one of the big things that that I noticed even though even though it's a win you don't want to harp on the negatives but so many times on first down we're just not able to get get things moving and we end up in a lot of second and longs like second and nine second and eights never get a good chance to really put Clifford in a position where he has allotted his disposal um and so, yeah, I, I know the offensive line is, has their struggles, but they just got to find a way to to get those easy yards for those guys. As talented as they are, you can't rely on them to to make a play every time to get yards. You're on, you're listening to the uh, Pay Dirt podcast right now. I'm Zach Kaplan along with Ryan Shearer. Ryan's a former Penn State wide receiver from the late 2000s, uh, and I we are both Penn State alums. I am a uh, 2020 graduate. Covered the team while I was in school uh, from 2016 to 2019. And uh, now we're both just rooting from afar here. Uh, I'm in Montana. Ryan's in Colorado. And uh, nice to be both in the mountain time zone. Uh, just wanted to give people a reset. And if they're seeing this visually, I'm not sure where they would, but uh, I'm in a shirt and tie. That, that was not intentional. It was not because it's the whiteout. Um, I am. A, I'm, I work as a, a sports anchor for one of the for the ABC TV station here in Montana. So if people are watching this, if it's streaming anywhere, uh, just know that that's why that is. Just felt the need to get quick aside. You got dressed up for the win, you know. <laughs> exactly. Put on your you finest know. for a nice white out win. <laughs> I was looking for a white tie and just couldn't find one. Uh, it's the real excuse. Um, back to the game now, as uh, Ryan, as we continue along here on Paydirt, I want to talk about. The Jair Brown interception. PJ Fleck was livid. I it's as mad as I've seen him. Not that I watch Minnesota every week like I do Penn State, but it's as mad as I've seen him in the in the games that I can remember, uh, at least with Penn State or you know primetime games that they've played that I've seen them on. And I got to be honest, I kind of think Fleck had a point. I think he had a major case yeah. to be made for defensive pass interference there. I can't I can't believe it wasn't called. Uh, what did you? What, what do you think about that play? I felt like it was the turning point because then they go down. Singleton gets the touchdown. That makes it thirty-one ten. And at that point, you just knew that they were not coming back in the game. Yeah, um, I'm biased as a as a former receiver. I'm always going to err on the side of the receiver. <laughs> um, and I, I think what happened. I think the ref saw the the re, the receiver go down because their feet got tangled up. And I think in those cases, they're always going to let that slide. I think what he might not have seen was 
and I'm not sure who the DB sitting on that underneath was, kind of pulling him down from behind and what probably got him off balance to begin with. I don't think the uh, back judge had that angle. Um, but yeah, watching the replay, I thought that was pretty clear PI. Honestly, though, like I think their QB really locked onto that one. They ran just like a little, it was like I think it was like a fake screen, like zip screen where the guy released outside and, and Jair was all over it. So I think even if, you know, that contact doesn't happen, that's very likely still an interception. At the end of the day, I, I do get why Fleck is upset. Though. I mean, that's a huge turning point um, for them. They're driving to kind of, you know, keep things close. And then all of a sudden we have the ball at midfield. I'm not sure if we ended up, I think we probably, I think we did score shortly afterwards. And that, like you said, that kind of put the game, um, changed yeah, so the trajectory of the rest of the game. Yeah, that, that was at, just to, to add to your point, that was at the 9-10 mark of the third quarter. Jair Brown picks it off, takes it 35 yards back to the Penn State 45-yard line, and then they go seven plays, 55 yards in two and a half minutes, aided, ironically, by a defensive pass interference on Minnesota on third and 10. Yep. <laughs> and then literally the next play, uh, Singleton's in the end zone. So just wanted to add that in. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 Paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. So, yeah, I get it. I get it from Flex's perspective. But, I mean, that I, it's not to say, too, that, like, you know, Minnesota wins, you know, if they if that gets called. But, you know, as a coach in that environment, you need, you know, whatever play you can make or whatever break you can get. And, and when a call you feel goes against your way, you know, I, I get that reaction. So fortunately for us, it didn't go that way, but I get where he's coming from. And then on the Penn State defensive side of things, I also, I mean, they got away with one there, but I thought overall, just the way that they were able to defend, especially Gophers kind of, it felt like they're taking deep shots in the second half with nothing to lose. I was really impressed. Joey Porter Jr., even though he has like those untimely pass, ironic pass interference penalties, yeah. I just, I've been really impressed with him week to week. And I mean, what do you, you know, I, I can only imagine the challenges that you see the Penn State secondary presenting, but it feels like they just, with the exception of last week, but last week almost was like kind of lost up front. I felt like yeah. more than on the secondary. I was really yeah. impressed by them tonight. They're so talented and so deep. I, they're one of the favorite, my, my favorite things about this team because they're so fun to watch. They play with a ton of confidence. Um, they play well with each other. You can tell that they have a ton of, 
there's a ton of chemistry and cohesiveness in that room. Um, they just they have and they have a lot of guys that do a lot of different things really well. I mean, Jair Brown is definitely the lead guy in that room, and they kind of all go as he goes. And he's a great leader. Um, and I, I just hope that we can continue to find these safeties out of Lackawanna Community College. You know, going from Brisker <laughs> to Jair, um, they've just, they've just been impact players and, and really set the tone from a leadership standpoint. To your point, um, Joey Porter Jr. is just like looks like he was made in the lab. If you were to make a corner, he's he's long, he's athletic. Uh, he's tenacious though too, and and I feel like he relishes a challenge. He wants to go against the best, which I, and I know we'll get into Ohio State. But it'll be a big test for the secondary next week. It'll be a big test for Joey Porter Jr. playing against guys who are going, you know, also going to be first round draft picks, just like he's mocked to be. But I think he likes those moments, and I think a lot of these guys do. They want teams to test them, and they want to shut them down. Um, and so I like, I think, you know. Diaz likes to get those guys on the field and, and run those five or even sometimes six DB packages. I mean, I think that was one of the things too against Michigan, like the way that they run their offense kind of neuters our, our strength back in the secondary. Like we have a lot of guys that we can play, but you know, when you have a team that's lining up with two tight ends and trying to run it down your throat, doesn't really matter, you know, how, how great your DBs are, um, you know, how great of ball Hawks they are. So, um, all in all, though, like like to your point, I think it was overall a great bounce back for the defense. And I think, I mean, Minnesota came out early and they were trying to set the tone. I think it was like they saw what happened last week and they were like, we're going to try and run it right at you again. And, and Penn State answered the call uh, up front. They did. I thought the linebackers played pretty well in the run game. Um, it was a really limit them getting that momentum on the ground. Yeah, they sure did. Um, we'll do, we'll go a few more minutes talking about, uh, this game before we kind of move on to the big kahuna next week, which I know everyone's so excited is at noon. I mean, we're, you're going to have to, we're both going to have to get it pretty early. Uh, 10 yeah. a.m. kickoff. For 10 a.m. kicks. The tough one. Oh man. It is, <laughs> it, it is a great time zone for watching sports in general. I think I, I love that the NFL is on at 11 every morning or every Sunday, but, Agreed. oh man, it's, and, this and one, uh, yeah. And playoff games are on at six instead of eight, especially as we get in like the World Series here coming up next week. It should be so. Yeah, I think it's the best sports watching time zone. But yeah, Penn State Ohio State at ten a.m. That's the one where it's like I don't know if I <laughs> if this is my preferred time slot, but uh, I guess I'll just have to have a beer earlier than I I normally would prefer to before that one. Yeah, you have to crack one open. <laughs> yeah, crack one open very early. Yeah, uh, I have to be a mimosa one. instead. Yeah. See if you can't get your wife to go out somewhere. Get some, exactly. Uh, go, go to a nice Penn State bar in Denver. I'm sure they'll be open, and that'll be the move. That's the plan. Well, uh, we talked. We mentioned the crowd kind of at the top, and uh, would have loved to see anything pregame. Uh, thanks, I Texas and Oklahoma State. I, I if to pe- if people are listening to us on to this on Monday, uh, folks at home missed the first, and folks at home and meaning you know Ryan and I and uh, millions of others, we missed the first three drives. And no pregame, and they didn't really show any pregame stuff after, like, when they, when they rejoined, when they, when they joined in progress, I should say. That, that stunk. I know we're on, it's going to be simulcast yeah. on ESPN Radio, but, oh, can we get, like, a more accessible channel to ESPN News? Yeah. Come on, you know? Yeah, that, that was killer. I mean, I think that Texas game, they said it took, like, four and a half hours. It's, I don't know why. It was, like, 34, like, it was in the mid-30s. It wasn't anything crazy. But, yeah, I think one of the, the great things I love about the whiteout games on TV is you get great, typically you kind of get that great lead-in. Um, 
you know, the team running in, the the aerial shot, the fireworks, all of it, it really sets the stage. And it's a great highlight for, you know, Penn State football and, and what that atmosphere truly looks like. So, yeah, I was bummed out that we didn't get that uh, the, the proper intro and set the set the stage like it deserves. Yeah, that um, yeah, I think it. I still think it was awesome, and you still got sort of a glimpse of it, but not quite to the level that you know you hope for. Uh, with that said, Minnesota finished with eight penalties for fifty-two yards. I think they cleaned it up in the second half, but I had them down for six pre-snap penalties, including like you said on the first Same. play. Uh, just amazing, like just how big of an impact the whiteout kind of plays. It is, and I think it's a combination of that plus a, a quarterback who was pressed into duty, um, and so I think that they probably had to change up some of their cadences on the fly um, just to take into account him being in there, and he's probably not – he's probably just trying to keep his head above water and think about, you know, what he's doing on each play. But as the quarterback, you know, there's a lot of – and McGloin would be able to speak to this a lot better than I can, but it's not right. just about knowing what your responsibilities are. It's – making sure everyone's set, making sure everyone's composed, everyone knows the cadence. Um, and then if it happens once, you know, you clean it up and don't let it happen again. But, yeah, six six pre-snap penalties. So, I mean, I, I know the crowd played a part in that and getting into, you know, a, a very green quarterback who, you know, I, I'll give him credit. You know, he, he settled in a little bit. He did make some big-time throws um, here and there because that is certainly not a spot, you know, that you want to be, you know, making your first start at of your college career. So, um, yeah, I thought overall, like the crowd, the crowd was fantastic. Little, little uneasiness early on uh, after a couple of three and outs, but I think they, like the Penn State team, uh, uh, got settled in and were able to enjoy themselves and hopefully enjoying themselves, you know, tonight down on on College and Beaver Avenue. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> j- just a general note: wait, I was at the 2016 game. That was actually my freshman year at Penn State. Too many references to it all week. I mean, I, I, I just didn't understand. James was making too many references. There's some tweets out there. Like, I don't know. I, I get it in the early going. There was kind of that similar vibe for a minute. But, I mean, those two games, just I know Mike Kosicki texted James. And, like, there was uh, – I think he's trying to, like, drum up a similarity. These teams are just yeah. not similar at all. This is not yeah. – this team is not a veterans, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball – you think about like Saquon was a third year guy at the, or, you know, Saquon was in his second year playing at that point, but it, he felt, mm-hmm. you know, you knew he was, we kind of got a sense of what he was. Chris Godwin was an older guy on that team. Mike Kosicki was an older guy on that team. Trace McSorley, you know, had at least been there for a couple, a couple of years. This is like outside of Clifford, like a really new team. Uh, yep. Parker Washington in his second year, Tinsley, you know, out of the portal, Singleton new, John Allen's new, obviously Aller who's had a, part in the season is new. So I just don't see it. And yeah, they could win next week and they could go into the exact same scenario that we had in 2016, where they lose to yep. Michigan on the road, beat Ohio state at home. And then if the Buckeyes, you know, JT Barrett, you know, works in magic. Yeah. Penn state, I suppose could get to Indy, but you know, it's gonna, I just, I, I, I don't see it with this team. And I, that was kind of something that annoyed me all week because we kind of shift gears and get ready to talk Ohio State. Does that annoy you at all that they're like trying to elude, you know, it seems like James is trying to allude to this team being the 16 team and maybe other people are as well. Just the fact that they play Michigan, Minnesota and Ohio State kind of in a row here. Yeah, I think I don't know if it's something you do out, uh, you know, 
facing the public. I think it's something you can use in the locker room and saying, you know, hey, guys, you know, there's a lot of like six years ago, very similar situation where, you know, we're what was thought was a rebuilding year. We have a tough blowout loss to Michigan on the road. We rebound against the Minnesota team at home and then we hit our stride. And so, I mean, I could I could see that being effective, you know, in the locker room. I don't know if that's something that I would necessarily you know, let the media run with or, or play up to the media. Um, because yeah, the, the mo- the, it's easy to point back to that because we beat Ohio State, but you know, it looks a lot different if we come out next week and, and get run off the field. Um, so I, I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, message it that way. Um, like I said, I think internally there's, it's a good way to keep kind of the guys heads up. It's, you know, there's been teams before you, um, you know, that have got that have had gone come back from Michigan with their you know tails between their legs and gone on to do great things that year. Um, and so I think there's something to be said about that. But I wouldn't like hang my hat on it as like, hey, we're going to we're, we're going to repeat that 2016 magic. That was six years ago. I mean, Urban Meyer was still coaching there. This before he'd gone to the Jags and flamed out six years is an eternity in college football. Um, so it's 2022. And that's like kind of what they need to be thinking is, you know, we got a big win. We cleaned a lot of things up, kind of got things on track. And now we got to get ready for Ohio State. Which I think is a perfect segue into our next topic as the Nindy Lions get ready to host the the Ohio State Buckeyes next week. Ohio State coming off a 54-10 to win that didn't look particularly difficult today uh, against Iowa. I didn't catch a lot of it live. Uh, I was running around kind of doing my day job. And Iowa's offense sucks, as we know. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, they beat what I've been told is one of the better defenses in the Big Ten without really trying. Yeah. C.J. Stroud with seemingly an effort. He actually put up a really similar stat line to Clifford today. Uh, 20 of 30, 286, four touchdowns and one interception. Uh, they didn't even really try to run the ball today. Travion Henderson, only 11 carries for 38 yards. I mean, like like – Smith and Jigba in play. Like, they almost, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, they almost treated like a bye week. <laughs> the way I'm yeah. seeing it, just off the box score and just off the score itself, uh, they just knew that Iowa, if they got to 17 points, that Iowa just was not going to get there. And this is going to be uh, certainly the biggest challenge of the year. I don't think Ohio State's losing a game before the college football playoff. Ryan, uh, give the uh, Penn State fans some hope. I mean, what, what would it take? Mm-hmm. I've just been trying to think about, like, since the game ended tonight, like, what it would take for Penn State to get a win next week. Obviously, we know what it would mean. Noon kicks, so a lot of time to yeah. uh, burn State College to the ground, I guess, if, right. uh, if Penn State wins. Not that we're advocating for that whatsoever, just to clarify, but uh, a lot of time to party if uh, they do indeed yep. the win. How how can they do it, I guess, is my simple question to you there. Uh- and I hate to bring back up 2016, but I think it's a lot of similar things that they needed to do going into that game will be this game. I think they're going to have to Ohio state. Just once they get rolling on offense, they feel so impossible to stop. So the defense, I think it's going to start with the defense. Um, They're going to have to make things difficult for Ohio state. They're not going to shut that offense down. No one is. Um, But if they can get them out of rhythm a bit, don't let them do the things that they want to do. Um, that's going to be crucial. And then I think on the offensive side of the ball, going to have to sustain drives. Um, can't have these back-to-back three and outs, get our defense back on the field. Um, and I think, and, and then the other two, like that I think is 
I mean, special teams, obviously 2016, we saw how it impacted that one. But I think in these types of games where you are a little bit outgunned from a talent perspective, you need to find sparks or, or, or game-changing plays where you can. I think another one, too, that this team is equipped to do, and we see it before, is what I like to think of as like big play combos where you, know, you might have the defense come up with a big turnover and then the offense comes right out you know, and hits a big play. Um, and kind of stacking those game-changing plays because if you just try and go toe-to-toe with Ohio State, um, it's not going to go well. They're just too talented, um, too deep. You you need to have a couple plays in the game where, you know, you, you have a guy like a Tinsley or a Singleton, um, you know, a Jair Brown on defense, a Zeki Wheatley on defense. Just make a timely play when you need it. I think that's what it takes because at the end of the day, like, it, it just takes a couple of plays to swing a game. Um, and so I think that's what it's going to come down to. Clifford's got to take care of the ball, obviously. I mean, that's important for any game, but right. especially this one, because if you give Ohio State short fields, that's a recipe to just getting, you know, run out of your own building. And and I, I think those are those are the things that, that I mean, I'm every, every field, about. Every, every field's a short field for this Ohio State offense, yeah. I think. I, I'm looking forward to just as a – not like taking away my Penn State fandom, just as a football fan, the Ohio State receivers against the Penn State secondary. I think that's going to be an awesome matchup. There's a ton of talent on that side of the ball. Um, They're just lo- <laughs> littered with five, four and five star receivers. Um, I don't know if JSN's going to be back, um, but even without him, they've not missed a beat. Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, is just like, Brian, whatever Brian Hartline's doing there, I, I am dying for him to go be a coordinator in the NFL or something. I just want him to leave Ohio State because he is just – they just reload at that position every year. Um, and so, But I think that's going to be a good battle. I think, you know, Porter, Joey Porter Jr. will have his hands full, but I think he wants that, and I think he can rise to the challenge. Um, I think, too, if there's one thing – if you ask for Penn State fans to have hope, I think stylistically – Michigan presents Penn State a little bit more of an issue with their offense just because of how physical they are and how they want to run the ball. I think, you know, Ohio State's a, they can certainly run the ball effectively. We've seen it before this year. Um, but I think they're a bit more finesse. They want to fill it a little bit more. I just think that they're, what they want to do on offense plays into our defense's strengths a little bit more. Whereas I think, you know, what Michigan likes to do on offense our defense is just as currently constructed, not really tailor-made to stop. Um, now, does that mean that we're going to have more success stopping Ohio State? No, because they're insanely talented. And so, you know, even if they are throwing right into the the strength of our defense, they have the guys that can, you know, make that irrelevant. But, you know, it, it'll be a, a fun matchup to watch. I, I'm After tonight, I'm, I'm way more optimistic than I was uh, coming out of the Michigan game. I'm still, you know, tempering my expectations. I think the last time I saw we we're like two touch, like 13 and a half point or 14 point underdogs um, wow. that Vegas wow. has us, huh. which I was expecting more, honestly. So I guess that's a testament to how dominant Ohio State's been this year. Um, but you never know. Uh, Happy Valley against Ohio State. Um, like I said, you make a couple of big plays um, at the right time and yeah, that can swing it. Last question for you. Uh, we got about a minute left here. I just wanted to know, you have the four games left after this with Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan State. Is there only three left? Did I get that wrong? Uh, just which game in November for Penn State after this one 
Is there another one that scares you after this for Penn State? Uh, they go to Indiana, host Maryland, at Rutgers, host Michigan State to end the year. Of those four, which one scares you the most? I mean, I don't want to say none of them because, like, that's – I think none of them. Uh, I think maybe yeah. Rutgers. That's it. Maybe it's Rutgers. Weird yeah, as that I'm thinking, like, the ones where we have to go on the road. Like, Maryland has shown flashes, but that's a home game. Um, I mean, Indiana's – one and four in the conference Rutgers one and three in the conference. Like even if I, I, I want to win, I want to think about beating Ohio state, but even if we don't, this team still has so much to play for 10 and two is certainly on the table. And for a rebuilding year, that is way, way more than I was expecting. Or I think you could ask for and just springboards is so well into 2023. So after a big win tonight, you know, that loss against Michigan doesn't feel quite so bad. And there's still a lot, lot to look forward to this year um, and still a lot to play for. So we'll see how it goes. Kickoff at noon on Saturday. There'll be plenty of buildup here on ESPN Radio State College. And, uh, of course, uh, Matt and Tom will have the preview pod for you this week as they get ready for a big showdown, big noon kick with Ohio State, chance for Penn State to do something they haven't done in six years, and that's beat the Buckeyes. Thank you for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College, as well as checking out the podcast version of the show presented by the Believe Network, which is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter. I don't know if you have a Twitter. Uh, mine is at Zach underscore Kaplan5. Do you have one, Ryan? I do. I think it's sheer dumb luck, but I am <laughs> no longer active on it. So yeah, you might just, you'll just see a bunch of random retweets and everything. So uh, direct all your Twitter attention to Zach's. Awesome. And of course, you can let us know what you think of the show. Send all the hate mail to my Twitter, and you can hit us up yep. at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin on Twitter. That's going to do it for this edition of Pay Dirt. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037 at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.